You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks to Tom for holding the fort for the last couple of days. I am back for the final show of 2022. What a year it's been. And I come to you not from TW11 today, but from deepest Oxfordshire, where it is absolutely larruping with rain, as it is in most of the western half of Great Britain. And I suspect probably is in quite a lot of Ireland today as I welcome in Jane Mangan to the show with the news, Jane, that if we didn't know it before, it is a numbers game, this sport. We'll be hearing from trainer Fergal O'Brien later in the show, three in the grade one cello hurdle tomorrow. William Buick has just passed 200 for the calendar year, the British champion, flat jockey, and Willie Mullins, who else, yesterday with another brace of grade ones in Ireland, made it 13 for the Christmas festival at Leopardstown and has now won over 40% of grade 1s in the calendar year across Britain and Ireland, and over 65% of the grade 1 races run over jumps in Ireland itself. Well, well, Jane Mangan, if we didn't know it already, it's been confirmed to us. The bigger, the better. That's the answer, isn't it? That seems to be the case, but you know when you rattle off numbers like that, you cannot cannot digest all of them. So 24 grade 1 winners in Ireland this year for Willie Mullins, of the 37, so 65%, as you say, 10 ch- uh, win- winners of the Challenge Festival, of which six were grade one level. And you mentioned the domination of the 28 races uh, run at Leprechaun over the last four days. 13 have gone to Clisutton, five of them at grade one level. There was seven grade ones run at Leopardstown. He took home five. So the bigger, the better. They obviously have a lot of losers to get to those winners, but they've got the quality. And uh, we've got a couple of trainers on today that give us a different perspective and a different aim to the game. Yeah, we do. One of those is Willie Mullins' brother, Tom Mullins, who won the bumper yesterday. But I want to, first of all, Jane, analyse with you the two performances in the grade ones at, at Leopardstown. We asked the question on this podcast yesterday, how good is State Man? Did that defeat of his two stable companions, one of whom ran rank disappointingly, actually tell us how good he was or not? No, it tells us he's a legitimate grade one horse because Sharjah is a decent horse and he's won four maths and hurdles. And we kind of wanted this to happen in that if Stateman's going to be a legitimate contender in March, he was going to have to dismiss his stable companions, particularly when Vauban hadn't the benefit of a run and it was... Coming, the, the vibes from Clasutton emanated that he would need the run. So um, he did it with the minimum of fuss. He never needed a backhander. He was only asked to stretch out and he looked like a, a tighter horse from the Morgiana uh, to his run yesterday. And like I said, he needed to be doing that if he's going to be considered a serious, any kind of a threat to Constitution Hill in March. So did we do we know how good he is yet? No, because he's entitled to improve further. But it was a big day for Joe and Mary Donnelly. It certainly was, because not only uh, are they responsible for that horse's ownership, but also the ownership of Gaillard du Menil, who ended a string of placed efforts with victory in the, the novice chase. Now, there were two fatalities in this race, um, which was extraordinarily sad. Uh, Gaillard du Menil was not winning out of turn. Is he a 
is he is he a horse with the potential to to make up in still into a into a top notch horse? I'm not sure if he's really cream of the crop, but he's a high one fifties uh, rating coming into a race like this. He's been. Th- third in a brown advisory already he was third in an irish national he stays very well and he had the experience but he was not from six over fences going into yesterday's grade one and he just felt that he finds a way to get beaten now the race as you mentioned depleted by two uh fatalities it was particularly for oliver mckiernan after winning his grade one down in limerick with um no looking back to lose unexpected depth was a real Bitter blow, having experienced the highs and lows of racing within the space of an hour. And then, of course, a couple of fences later, three-stripe life taking a heavy fall. The grade one winning uh, novice hurdler from last year, um, losing his life in that fall under Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy had actually survived a very notable error from three-stripe life earlier in the race, which he nearly got unseated, fell to his right, nearly losing his own balance, but actually gaining his own balance by pushing Rachel Blackmore off of Am I Right? she eventually unseated off that horse after getting a series blow from Jack Kennedy on her left so it was a dramatic novice chase uh, is Gaillard de Menil top notch personally I don't think he is but I could see him landing a blow in something like a national hunt chase at the Cheltenham Festival albeit he'll probably drop back and trip at the Dublin Racing Festival before then a meeting in February which is shaping up to be pretty exciting Yes, it certainly is. And on that point, we should we should note the ground at Leopardstown, which was the subject of significant plaudits over the last few days. Willie Mullins making the point in interview yesterday on Racing TV that the Dublin Racing Festival, sometimes horses have run there and he's not been able to get them back from Cheltenham because the ground's been too quick. Uh, there were there were bouquets rather than brickbats for the executive. Yeah, we 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 criticise when needed, uh, so we have to praise when it is due as well. Because there was a very fair racing surface, particularly on the chase track. That's the track that has been giving the most trouble over the last couple of years, and they had obviously put in a lot of work months uh, in advance, aerating and watering this ground when we know the autumn was unseasonably dry, and everybody was very complimentary of how basically safe the ground was and it was very suitable for these uh national hunt horses and willie mullins just as he was giving the praise and how well his horses were coming out of their runs just voiced his caution that he expects the very same in february and hopefully that will be the case because he'd be rewarded with good fields and we had a couple of years there where races were depleted with late withdrawals due to ground we didn't have any issues of that over the last couple of days and i must say credit where it is due again the attendance figures were very very positive up six percent on what we saw pre-pandemic in 2019 it was over sixty thousand people came through the turnstiles at leopardstown over the four days it made for a very good atmosphere very enjoyable meeting and i think when in a year where we had a downward trend a negative trend when it comes to attendances it's a nice way to end um the calendar year on a positive note all right do you want to hear from tom mullins Always. Tom Mullins, who, not Willie Mullins, Tom Mullins, brother Tom Mullins, who won the bumper yesterday with his wife Helen's facile mode, a horse that he bred himself, and his son Charlie rode the horse as well. He may not be hanging on to him for too long if he has his way, as I've been finding out. This is what he had to say to me about the story of this horse a little earlier today. I bought the mare um, locally, and um, she, she, her couple of runs for me and she, she, she won in Cork and she broke down badly so we, we put walk in the park on her after that um, and um, 
we, we, she has a full uh, is a full sister as well and this is the second fall out of her um, uh, by walk in the park and um, so we, we, we've minded them we've bred them and we've minded them all the way up to this now and um, we, we, we we always knew he was a, a real nice horse and we were just waiting for the day as the fella says and um, he just done a blinding bit of work uh, last Saturday week um, we just um, the jockey got down off my next jockey a good judge I haven't ridden a fire like this for years so um, yeah I, I think he's the best I had since Menorah I had Menorah there um, uh, before he went to Philip Hobbs there um, uh, he won a bumper in Nace and I'm quite sure he's he's, he's, he's as good as Menorah anyway um, so there you go uh, and that of course everyone will realize is is not only a great endorsement but it's a it's a great pitch as well and uh, and i suppose now whenever any horse wins a bumper for a stable that's not huge and it's still yours and you bred the horse it's okay when's he when's he going to be sold is it i mean is it is that just it you are you are you are you breeding these horses to trade and 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 that's that's the end of that yeah i does for me there's there's not a lot of money in training now so i i I'm, I train to win to sell really that's what I do now um, I can't I can't buy the jump horses like I used to years ago at the derby sailors those August sales try and buy the horse you, you want to to, to buy um, you know there's too many men there now going point to point and with these lads and different they're just gone too sky high for for the other trainers I mean I don't think even the big trainers buy it buy at those sales anymore they've just gone sky high with the point to point men and all that um, so uh, I, I've turned my hand more or less to uh, producing nice horses and, and uh, winning with them hopefully and, and, and sell them on um, they don't have to stay here or anything you know they can they can be bought out of the yard and go where they like and it, it's a it must be it must be a strange one for you I mean you as I said he blew past two of Willie's nice horses Um Yesterday he had his thirty-first Grade One winner in in Ireland this this calendar year and has won sixty-five percent of Grade One races, forty percent of Grade One races in Britain, Britain Ireland. You you must be proud and admiring on one hand and and on the other thinking, geez, the sport's taking a whole a whole different look to it now. Oh Jesus, sir! It's, it's it's changed so much in the last ten years. It's you just wouldn't believe it, really. You know. Um, I mean, it's just got the big boys have just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And Willie is taking it to an awful new level altogether. He's so he's obviously the best, um, and he's he's buying the right horses, and and so he's a genius at training them. So you know, but after I'd like to think that there's trainers out there, including myself, if we got the material, we'd we'd, we'd nearly do the same as Willie. But um, <laughs> you know. If you have a good horse, there's an awful lot of money to be got from if you, if you have a good horse like the, the, the horse that won yesterday for me. Yeah, when you look at trainers who really take it to a to a completely stratospheric level, and I'm talking about Willie and obviously Gordon Elliott's built up an enormous team as well, and Henry de Bromhead, is it is it more to do with force of personality than it is to do with talent? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, oh definitely. I mean the, 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 those men there that you mentioned, they're all able to 
they're all able to talk there and they're all brilliant to training and, and uh, they can handle more and, and they can ha- they have to ha- there's an awful lot more to training horses as well you have to handle staff handle owners you have to geez, you have to be very mentally strong I mean horses are horses I mean they're can see the disappointments for for sort of the big lads there all the time, and should the small lads get disappointments too? So, geez, you have to be fierce, mentally strong, in my opinion. Now, <laughs> uh, to deal with everyone and everything, um, especially staff, especially owners, and and uh, yeah, you have to have a, a huge personality. Yeah, I suppose. Well, yesterday, I'd imagine that that your owner Helen Mullins was pretty happy with your work. Thrilled, thrilled, yeah, yeah. No, she's great. She, she's great, and she supports me great. And uh, of course, and it's always nice. To, it was a nice little pot as well for a bumper as well. I think there was twelve thousand to the winner. So, um, so yeah, she was thrilled. Yeah, and then the family were thrilled. And so we're all delighted for Charlie. He is, you know, Charlie's a, a, he's a tall man, but he's a very, very nice rider. Um, I, I, we were going to run in on Monday, and. Um, we're going to have. I was going to have a double on Monday, but anyway, that didn't work out. Um, I had another horse in the race, and, and he got a stone bruise. And uh, we were going for this fella in the bumper Monday. It was a maiden bumper, so um, it, Charlie got a stone. Uh, Charlie got a Charlie got a sprained ankle last week, and he just wouldn't have been right for Monday. So we said we'd we'd uh, we'll see how it goes, and he was right, just about right for yesterday. So the horse ended up in this race yesterday, but we would have went for Monday's bumper if Charlie was right. Now, but, uh, all all's well that ends well, I suppose. <laughs> after that, it has not escaped my attention that the horse's full sister runs at Punchestown. When's that? Tomorrow. Uh, she's had a few more chances. She's obviously not as good, but can she win a race? Oh, definitely. Sure. She, but she's a she's a headstrong bitch. Um, but. We'll just put a. Uh, um, we're going to put a hood on her tomorrow. She seems well and she's working well, um, but uh, obviously she's not as good as your man. But um, she's just a headstrong, Philly typical Philly there, and um, she will have a chance tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy with her. Yeah, um, does Willie have one in it? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> would you like me to? Ch- would you like me to check for you? Yeah, have a check there. Uh, yeah, I, I've got, I've got, I don't know. Listen, you beat him twice yesterday. Same colours, one of them as well. Yeah, he's got a new, he's got a newcomer uh, by Leading Light called Abby's Champ, um, running against you with 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 Patrick aboard. Uh, apart from that, I don't know. I think you beat the others. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I actually had a great run in, t- in Tipperary there behind uh, Normeads. Nice mare and a good filly. Uh, forget her name now. Um, but she's she just has to settle down, and I think she is settling down. So I'm hoping for the best tomorrow. It'll be her last run in the bumper anyway. She'll she'll go over hurdles now after this. Tom, thanks so much for talking to me. All right, Nick. Thank you for the call. Thanks. Well, I got more than I bargained for there. I think Jane with Tom Mullins. You always do. He speaks his mind. It's so interesting, Mullins on Mullins, um, talking about Willie and the domination of the uh, of the big stables. There, there was part. I thought there was part ruefulness in his voice, and part and part realism. Some people are maybe cut out for for managing that many owners, staff, etc. Others maybe not. But it's not necessarily contingent on how much talent they've got to condition racehorses. Well, it almost disappointed me when he um, resorted to the fact that he 
is happy for this horse to go away from his yard like Menorah did um, with su- su- such success. And I actually remember being hammered in Limerick by a horse called Charble, who would eventually go on to be a very good horse for Kim Bailey, uh, then trained by Tom Mullins. But Tom has had Asian Mays, a great mare. He's had Oscar Dandan. He's trained Alderwood to win at two Cheltenham festivals, Bob Lingo to win a Galway plate. Tom is a very, very good trainer. And he's almost, you know, I, I, I'd love to see this horse stay within the yard because he's got a, he's already with a trainer who can get you the desired results. And he's bred the horse. He's done all the hard work. I know he's going to cash in and get an awful lot of money beyond the 12 grand, what the pumper was worth. But uh, yeah, it's it's a different mindset, isn't it? Because Willie, I know he's got the numbers, but he has got the investors to retain talent and get new talent and always keep the conveyor belt getting bigger and getting stronger in terms of quality. And we've seen the monster develop from 10 years ago to what it is today. And he's not the only one. There's trainers uh, doing the same. And Gordon Elliott, of course, who was leading the Irish Trainers Championship going into this week uh, Christmas festival. Now, obviously, he comes out well behind, but he's trying to build his own empire. Whereas Tom, he's got a very good horse here and it looks like he's happy for him to go elsewhere. And I know you want to cash in and I know you need to keep things afloat. And I know he says that it's hard for to make training pay. But you definitely won't make training pay unless you got good horses in your yard. So that's uh, the the balance, isn't it? It's the difference between being a trader and a trainer. You can't really be both. Yeah, and this is our plea. This is our Nick Luck Daily Podcast plea, led by Jane Mangan, about whom there's a fascinating article in the Thoroughbred Daily News today, incidentally. Just a quick plug for that. I love Uh, that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was really flattered that it mentioned this podcast as one of your one of your media outlets. To to surprised it wasn't the first question actually. I, well, I, to be honest, I, I was just happy to get a to get a mention. But um, it, we, we are leading the charge. We're leading the plea for whoever comes in, whichever big spending owner comes in uh, for this horse. Why not leave him where he is? It's it's. I I think Tom Mullins is a fantastic trainer, and I I, I admire the family so much. They're, what they individually have achieved is incredible but um this horse obviously looks very good i had heard walking in the gate yesterday i had heard tom mullins is having a bit of a gamble in the bumper and i was thinking to myself first time out in what looks like the strongest bumper of the week that's ambitious and then i waited i said i may as well wait here now and watch it and um i'd say that was pretty sweet for charlie and tom and helen to sweep past willies too Excellent. I mean, and again, but the best bit of aftertime we've had on this podcast all year, all year as well. So I can't, I can't get any of the sixteen to one now. Now let's move on and talk about the Chalo Hurdle tomorrow. Uh, it's fourteen runners, fourteen runners for a Grade One in Britain, Grade One jumps race in Britain, and a novice race as well outside the Cheltenham Festival. Hurrah! Hoist the bunting. Where have they all been? Okay, here we go. Then I'll be speaking to Fergal O'Brien. He's not just got three runners in this race tomorrow, but he also passed a notable milestone of his own. 100 winners for the season, for the 22-23 season, achieved on Boxing Day. And I started off by congratulating him on that feat. Uh, look, no, we were just always aiming to get the, as many winners, you know, to get the horses that we have to win as many races as we can, you know. And we just we were very lucky in that we, we had a great summer. Um, you know, everyone worked so hard, and 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 yeah. So it just we got there in the end, and and uh, no, it was delighted, delighted to do it. I was at, I was actually at Kempton on Boxing Day, so it was a, it was a great day because accidental um, legend who's owned by uh, Brez Bet was my sponsor, uh, and it was great that he did it up in Market Race, and it was lovely to see Brave Man 
Lions game at, at, at Kempton and, and Constitution Hill, you know, so we had a great day. Uh, and it's easy to be a, a good summer trainer. It's harder to be a good winter trainer. You seem to be making a pretty good fist of doing both. How do you manage the sheer workload of that, the sheer numerical workload? I, I'm a very small cog in a, in a, in a very big wheel. So, um, um, so and all the cogs, to be fair, in the last three years since we moved to Ravensworth well, and uh, sort of joined up with Graham McPherson over at Marins Hill, all, all, the, all the cogs have been going very well and they've been kept very well oiled and stuff by, by a great team of people. And uh, so that's how it's done, really. There is a lot of work. Look, I'm not going to deny there's an awful lot of work. And, and, and some days are harder than others. But um, look, I'm, I always feel, I've said it to you before, I always feel very lucky to do what we do because. Uh, um, it's just something that I, I, I just totally I'm passionate about and love doing so um, some, it doesn't feel like work you know and quite often trainers will say oh I'll sacrifice a bit of the quantity for a bit more quality D- do you feel that or not? No I, don't, no I don't actually I think you need the quantity to, to try and get the quality so I think it's, we're just like any sort of a sports academy really you know you need to have you need to be everything needs to be coming in at the bottom youngsters and stuff and you just need to have numbers and you, know, you hope you get there eventually and like you touched on earlier that you know the fact that we've got three running in the grade one and and, and like there's none of them a hundred to one outsider you know that all three deserve to be there I mean the, the one that might struggle a bit if we get a lot of rain is accidental um, accidental rebel um, you know he, he did his, his winning in the summer and, and won, the, won a great two Persian war for us but uh, he certainly deserves to be there and if the ground had sort of stayed good like it has been at Newbury for the Hennessy meeting and stuff he'd have he'd have a very good chance but you know the ground might go against him now uh, the one that I suppose is the most eye-catching, unbeaten, you know, in, high-profile owners, Paddy Brennan's riding is Crambo. How good do you think this horse is? Yeah, look, we love Crambo. Uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to play his, his chances down because I think he's got a very good chance. But, you know, ideally we're stepping from a novice and straight into a grade one. It would have been lovely to go to a grade two. But there was nothing There was nothing at Cheltenham. Well, there was. There was race, but he just does that genuinely wants that soft ground, you know, good to soft, soft. Um, yeah, that's what he's won his bumpers on, and that's what he that, that's what he's best on, you know. So we got away with it at Ascot a little bit, but Connor said he was sort of feeling it at Ascot. Um, but he, he he dug in, and yeah, we think he's a very good horse, and you know, I'm really excited, especially with this rain coming. Now I'm really excited about him running. And, and Marble Sands has already been second in an EBF final. This is his second season as a novice hurdler. He's won his races by an aggregate of thirty lengths this season. Is there a case to be made to think that he's slightly overlooked? Definitely. Um, you know, his second last year at Sandown was a very good run. Um, he, he was second or third in, in the French Furs at Newcastle last year. Um, and, yeah, he, he's, he's a lovely horse. Second season, you know, that's where he'll have the advantage over, over a Cramble. You know, he's been there and done it. You know, to, to be second in Sandown in that big handicap, that big novice handicap uh, last year will, will just stand in, in such good stead, you know, uh, you know Newbury on, on tomorrow. And I can't let you go without asking about Paint the Dream and what the plan might be for him after he was just so impressive at Newbury. Uh, I think he goes to Kempton and then back to Newbury. So um, for the race he won last year, so yeah, he's been he's been fantastic. He's just such a lovely horse. And, um, he's so straightforward, very easy to to, to train. Um, gets up in the morning, does his work, and, and and makes life very easy for everyone. So he'll go to what Kempton for the Sylvania Conti? Is that the yeah? That's the that's the race, and then and then back to Newbury for the for the race he won there last year as well. The the Greatwood Gold Cup in in March, and then and then take him to Aintree maybe if that all goes well. Yeah, and then and then obviously head on to Aintree then and, and have another go at that one there as well. So fingers crossed. That was a trainer, Fergal O'Brien. That's no mean effort, Jane, getting to the hundred. But to have three in a Grade One is perhaps even more notable. Yeah, look, Fergal has been going 
again, building his own empire over the last couple of years. He's been placing horses very well to their own ability and getting the right opportunities for them to excel. Now he has three horses in a grade one and three of them that have already won um, decent races this year. Crambo looks to be the first string, the pick of Paddy Brennan, but you've got Accidental Rebel, who's got a string of ones next to his name, uh, including at Chepstow last time. He's an official rating of 132, so with that win a grade one, I'm not sure. And Marble Sands, a rating of 129. But it is uh, he's one of the trainers that's kind of leading the charge when it comes to building his own way and, and, and getting these better quality horses and with a, a, a diverse portfolio of owners who seem to be able to buy him quality horses. That's what you need. Yeah. And Jared Sullivan, Chris Giles own Crambo. So uh, owners who've had horses with Willie Mullins and Paul Nichols and, and many other Nicky Anderson and others. So uh, Fergal O'Brien is now starting to increase the, the, the spending power of his owners as well. By the looks of it, you've had a look at that shallow MS Allen, very expensively bought from the Irish point to point field. Very impressive at Cheltenham for Paul Nichols is the hot favourite. Are you looking to him to win or are you looking elsewhere? I think he's justifiably top of the market, albeit the horse he beat at Cheltenham last time. He beat him nine lengths easy. But that horse has been beaten and well beaten in a handicap at Leopardstown since. Uh, I'm looking at Joya Mashan thinking... Paul Nolan, clever, avoiding Facile Vega at Leopardstown and going to what appears to be a deeper race, but maybe doesn't possess a horse of the quality of Facile Vega. And of course, they had a horse called Latest Exhibition not that long ago who used to chase home a certain monkfish. And I'd imagine they're avoiding similar tactics here. Athaka, I was impressed with him last time. Um, at Cheltenham, but it, it is a deep race. I wouldn't be taking short odds about the favourite because he's going to meet a uh, quality opposition here. And looking beyond tomorrow's shallow hurdle to Sunday, where Cheltenham begin 2023 with their traditional New Year's Day fixture. And the star attraction could be the mayor that won at the Cheltenham Festival and at the Punchestown Festival, making her seasonal debut. Marie's Rock, I've been speaking to Tom Palin, who is the boss at Midland Park Racing, the owners of Marie's Rock. You'll remember they had such a great year on the flat with the Platinum Queen and others. And I asked him why Marie's Rock hadn't been seen until now this season. Um, just just race placement really. Um, there's been no issues with her. This is by design rather than um, by any ill-fated injury or anything like that. Um, no, we, this is just a first suitable target. Um, she's got two crowns to defend in the spring, and they're very much her her focal points. But look, rest assured, she's she's fit. She comes here in great form. I spoke to Nikki yesterday morning, and um, Nico gave her a piece of work. Um, during the Christmas period and she's probably about as good as she's ever been maybe even a little bit better Nikki reports that's very interesting because when she was a novice hurdler and looked so good Nikki Henderson was sort of talking her about her in the same breath as as Epatant a year later that looked fanciful now it looks far from fanciful indeed she could she could exceed those those exploits on ratings terms if this season goes very well do you think if it weren't for a horse like constitution hill you almost might be thinking about her as a champion hurdle contender um i think i think we've only kind of really got her into this 150 bracket by coming up to two and a half miles so i think coming back to two might 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 not be in her best interest um i'd say she's more likely to go up to three miles than she is to come down to two um but i think right now she's a dual two and a half mile grade one mare um so that's kind of where we're wanting to pitch her and i think this is a a sensible starting point for her we are taking on the geldings 
which is the first time we've done this um, in graded company or in pattern company for, well, I think it's the first time. So um, it'll be it'll be really fascinating to see how she goes against the likes of Nappers Hill. And if so, Royal turns up, that should give us a good benchmark as to where we are. What's your hunch? Because you're someone who, who reads these races better than most other people. Um, I, 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 think she, I, I think she goes there with a favourite chance. That was Tom Palin from Midland Park Racing talking about Marie's Rock. We'll see her Sunday, Cheltenham. Jane Mangan is still with me. Jane, you've been racing pretty much all week at the Leopardstown Christmas Festival. There have been a lot of notable results. We've spoken about them on the podcast. Any further observations you'd like to make about the the fixture as a whole or just the, the Christmas racing period as a whole? Well, Christmas racing period is always the, the extended gift that keeps on giving after the dinner has been eaten. Um, I, I, I wonder, with the three novice chases run on the 26th between the two at... Um, so we have one in, in Limerick, one in Leopardstown, and, uh, of course, one in Kempton. Were they vintage renewals? I'm not sure. Is there necessarily a need for a 2-3 novice chase down in Limerick and a two-mile uh, two one at Leopardstown? Again, I would be venture to say maybe not. Uh, Pied Piper disappointed a lot of people yesterday in the Matson hurdle. He actually returned clinically abnormal, so obviously a not true running from him. Um, Lossie Mouth was the talking horse in the, in the um, juvenile bracket, but there was a couple of just very taking performances. You can't help but be in, impressed with what you saw from Conflated, whether people regard him up there with galloping the champ or not. He definitely deserves to take his chance in, in the Gold Cup. But I think Michael O'Leary will make us say the, the word Ryanair as many times between now and March as he can before he'll actually uh, say he's actually going to run in the Gold Cup. So uh, you, you can't beat a little bit of advertising on the side. Jack Kennedy consolidated his position at the top of the Jockeys Championship. He emerged from the week with 76 uh, on the board, Paul Town and 54. So it's a mammoth task going into the 2023 uh, between now and Punchestown for Paul to bring him or try and reel him in. But uh, it was for me, the the whole point of uh, of Leopardstown was the, the people were back because if we remember a couple of days before the meeting last year, the attendance was pulled and all the tickets had to be refunded because of an outbreak of COVID. That seemed so long ago. It was only last year. So it was the first time since 2019 people were actually at the festival and they didn't miss the opportunity to see the horses. All right, Jane mentioning positive crowd figures from Leopardstown. There's some quite good news across Britain as well, uh, particularly in Wales off the back of the Coral Welsh National where crowd figures were up on 2019 and 2018. Why? Uh, I ask Chepstow's Phil Bell now. Phil, I've been reading what you had to say in the Racing Post, and it, it seems as though this is quite a significant result for, for Welsh horse racing. Just just tell me why you think this is. Yeah, I mean, I think the, 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 the history of the race, Nick, has had, you know, it's awful word to use is checkered, isn't it, in the last sort of 10 years, but we, it's been abandoned on, abandoned on quite a number of occasions. And year on year, the crowds keep coming back. And then we've had the pandemic with two years without any crowds. So the race has had another sort of minor, minor challenge, really. And despite that, people have come back again. It, I think it's just a very robust race at the time of year. The time of year most definitely helps. Christmas time, people want to come out and, you know, and have a good time. But I think ultimately it says the Welsh do love a big sporting occasion. We like to think we put on a really good show on the day that the races are is an enthralling race generally isn't it it's um it's always very competitive and and we have the pageantry of the singing of the, of the anthem and i'm just pleased that the, that the show that we put on remains popular in wales despite those knocks it's had in the last 
Well, since I've been at Chepstow in the last in their eleven years, I think we've lost it four times for water logging, and then it's been rerun in the January. And then we've lost it. We had two years without crowds, of which last year we only found out a week before that we wouldn't have crowds. So that was particularly difficult for us because um, the sales were strong. But rolling on, you know, in answer to your, to your question, yeah, we're absolutely delighted. Just under 10,500 came, despite being three years since we'd actually had the last race with crowds in 2019. And I'm very struck by what you were saying in the Racing Post today about the relationship be- between yourselves and the, and the Welsh Government following on from the, the pandemic. And, and perhaps that bringing horse racing in Wales a bit closer to the, the centre of the, of the sporting public's consciousness. I think so. The, um, we were pleased that the Government included us, included us in all the discussions about the restrictions for, for COVID. We... Historically, my first few years at Chepstow, we really didn't have much of a relationship with the Welsh government. It's all football and, and obviously predominantly rugby in Wales. So when the when the, the pandemic um, and COVID broke out, and we were invited to the table to be part of the discussions with all the sporting organisations in Wales about the restrictions, you know, it was all a, a dreadful reason for that happening. We were pleased to be involved at the top table with. We were having regular sort of weekly 10-day briefings with the government about the restrictions which were changing all the time. And to purely be invited to the table was really encouraging. There's a couple of officials in the Welsh government that we've built a particularly close rapport with, and I think that helped uh, in terms of bringing us to the, to the table for the discussions. But as a result of those regular briefings and being involved with other sports, we've now got a cross-party group in the Senate uh, horse racing group so things have moved forward even more so out of something terrible for the for the world in, in covid we in, in wales it's you know we've managed to it's turned into a sort of positive for our for our business i think we are taken more seriously now we had a visit from the sports minister at chepstow earlier this year i'm not sure that would have happened five or six years ago um and, and the cross-party group in the senate is is even more positive so i think Racing's got a big job to do to raise its profile to the non-racing fan. We all, I think we, we have a village, we, there's a little bit of a village um, mentality in racing and there's millions of people outside that village that don't, that don't come. So in that relationship with the Welsh Government, if we can get racing talked about in a wider, you know, in the tour, for example, with the tourism team at the Welsh Government, if we can make sure they're talking about a day at the races as an option, for a day out as well as a stroll through the Brecon Beacons or along the coast you know, we, we want to be in that tourism literature and spoken about in that wider marketing sort of world rather than you know, than just the racing fans which you know, obviously they're very important to us but there's there's a huge number of people outside of the racing world that we want to attract Phil Bell there from Chepstow Racecourse. Uh, some encouraging news there from their Coral Welsh National Meeting. Jane Mangan is with me for the final selection, Jane, of 2022. The final, the, the final selection will go to Taunton for the 245. It's a three-mile handicap hurdle. And Iberio for the, the Hobbs O'Brien team, the Thyme Hill team. He's a two-time course winner, and he's going up to three miles. And I think while he's off a career high, Mark, Iberio is a young horse on the improve. And he might improve for the step up and trip. All right. So we've got, what, three months until the Cheltenham Festival. Um, you've been watching everything this week. The halfway point of the season. 
Who's going to win the Cheltenham Gold Cup? At the moment, I think it's Galopin Deschamps. Uh, the King George was the race of the festive period. It was a fantastic training achievement, but I wonder is the approach Galopin Deschamps is taking the right way to go because he hasn't had a hard race yet. Where we'll see him next, I'm not sure. Will we see Aplutar and something like the Kinloch Bray? Will they sidestep the Dublin Racing Festival? There's still a lot of questions to be answered with that horse. All right. So uh, that's you- where I'm going. You didn't need to show you working, but you gave it to me anyway. Galapande Short. What about the champion chase? Energumine all the way. Okay. Uh, champion hurdle. Is there any point in even asking that? Unfortunately, there's not. Okay. Constitution Hill. And the, here's, a, here's a good one for you. Stay as hurdle. Home by the Lees, about the six to one favourite now. Come on, Lucinda. Hoy senor, back over hurdles. Uh, just appease me. Yeah, I don't think they will, but I don't know. I don't know. If you get your wish, you get Tom Mullins to keep his bumper horse and Lucinda Russell to run a hoist and you're over hurdles. You know, 2023 will be a good year. Just remains for me to thank you, Jane, very much for everything this year. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, and thank you all for all your continued support of this podcast. We have so much fun doing it. I hope you have as much fun uh, listening and feel uh, somewhat better informed at the end of uh, at the end of each episode. Anyway, tomorrow is saturday which means not a podcast day but charlotte will be back this evening with the with the saturday edition uh, leaning into the weekend and i will be back on monday morning a business as usual from all of us here bye bye and a very happy new year you've been listening to nick luck daily brought to you in association with fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.